Live. We'll be streaming live soon. Eu quero ser um testemunho. Remove o erro e crie o bem. Well, good morning. Uh, it's good to be with you here. Uh, Rick Bonfim Ministries, my name is Jonathan Dunn, and we're continuing our study of the book of Hebrews, and we are beginning Hebrews chapter 4 this morning, and um, Hebrews chapter 4 is the continuation of chapter 3. Interesting how that happens. And uh, so as we continue this argument that uh, the author has whether it be Paul or Priscilla or Apollos or Barnabas or Luke or whoever. Uh, it's, well, it's a Jewish audience, you know, and most likely, if you're listening to this, uh, you didn't grow up a Jew. Now, some of you out there might, and so you can relate to some of these things easier than us who didn't grow up as uh, with a Jewish heritage, but uh, you know, because uh, it's talking of it's doing all these references and all these biblical references to the Old Testament all over the place, all through the book of Hebrews. In other words, if you want to understand the book of Hebrews, read the Old Testament first, then read the book of Hebrews, and it'll start making a little more sense. But a lot of stuff doesn't make any sense until you until you really understand. The Old Testament, and we have a lot of Old Testament references here in uh, in the beginning of chapter four, the first eleven verses, and and so I'm just going to kind of read through, and it's all about the rest of God, the rest. What does it mean to enter the rest of God? That's what that's what this whole passage is all about. And how do we? And what is it? And how do we enter into the rest? That's okay. Those are the two big questions here. How, what is the rest of God, and how do we enter into that rest? So, so let's look here at uh, verse 1. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left of us entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them who heard it. For we which have believed do enter into rest, as he said, as I have sworn in my wrath. Okay, he's quoting now. He's quoting. Okay, this is what the Lord says to the to all the uh, to the Israelites. As he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, uh, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he spoke in a certain place of the seventh day, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works. Now, you're already lost, aren't you? It's okay. Don't worry about it. We're talking about all these quotations about the rest of God are being sort of stacked on top of each other and layered. And so before long, you have no idea what's going on. Don't worry about it. Let's keep going. All right, so we got a reference here to... to uh, chapter 3, where the, the the Israelites were not... A, that first generation led out of Egypt by Moses was not allowed to enter the land of Canaan because they did not believe that God would overcome all of those... Uh, all the ites. You know, the Midianites and the, and the 
parasites, the parasites, and the Jebusites, and the all the ites, the Ammonites, the Edomites, all the ites. Okay. So, so then we have a reference to Genesis, you know, chapter two, when when God says uh, that uh, on the seventh day He rested. Okay, so you have the rest of going to the land of Canaan, and then right after that you have a quotation of the creation story. What in the world is going on? And for he spoke in a certain place, right? Again, if and again this place, if they shall enter into my rest, the, seeing uh, so that's Psalm ninety-five, another quotation about rest, and that's from David. So you have the creation quotation, a quotation from. The land of Canaan rest, and then you have a quote from the from Psalm ninety five, David. Okay. See therefore, so then that sort of ends the, all of the Old Testament references to to rest, the idea of rest, coming into a place of rest. And then then we begin commentary in verse six, so it helps to sort of divide, you know, the the two parts there. You have all the Old Testament references, and then and then here's some commentary on the references, beginning in verse six. So, here, so here's the main point. Okay, seeing therefore it remains that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. Okay, and again he limited a certain day, saying in David today, after so long a time as it is said today, if you will hear him. His voice, harden not your hearts, for if Jesus had given them rest, then he, meaning God, not afterward have spoken of another day. Okay, there remains therefore, okay, this is the conclusion, there remains therefore a rest to the people of God. For he who has entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works as God did from his. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. All right. So, my goal here is not to dissect the technicalities of all of the Old Testament quotations. Aren't you so glad? <laughs> yeah, I got some amens and some smiles. Here's the point of all the references in the Old Testament. Through the Old Testament, God prophesied a rest. A rest meaning, what does that mean, rest? Well, you know, Jesus in, uh, oh, Jesus, interesting. Jesus says in chapter 11 of Matthew, Come unto me, all you who are labor, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Oh, oh, that's very interesting. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, uh, life is very demanding. Many times it demands things from us that uh, we do not think that we are able to give. And it seems like life is just fighting all the time. Many of us, many of us when, we're, when we're young, we have to start fighting early because our family is a mess. Right? Mom and dad don't get along. Brothers and sisters are mean. Uh, 
school is too hard, uh, bullies at school, you know, people are trying to get you to do drugs and go party, and then and then you you know if, by the grace of God if you make it through your teenage years halfway unscarred, well then you gotta then you gotta try to find somebody to marry. Lord have mercy. I got three girls sitting here right now in front of me saying, yeah, yeah, that's pretty much it. And so before you know it, before you know it, life is just a series of of just battling, right? And you get caught in that. You get caught in that and and there's no peace, there's no rest, there's no there's no time to to put kind of put a pause button on life and say, God, I've just been, I've just been working away here, trying to survive, trying to get through high school, trying to get through college, trying to figure out, you know, find somebody who's going to love me and not, not be mean, uh, who, who really is going to want to build a family with me and try to get life going, and, and I'm, I, and I'm just fighting for everything, God. And you got to take a moment and say, well, God. You got anything to say to me? Do you have anything to say to me about this, God? Because so far it's just been me just trying to take hold of my own life and, and survive. So if if you have something to say, Lord, then I, I'd really like to hear it right now. Now that's a that's a good prayer. And that and that's a prayer that God will answer because you know that that's a prayer that's based on faith. And that is what Hebrews is telling us, faith is mentioned multiple times here. It's either faith or or having or not having faith. It's, it's you know the comparison of the two. And so the people there that uh, that are receiving this letter, well, they're struggling. They're struggling big time. They're wondering if if uh, if God's really going to come through for them because they're in the midst of persecution. They're in the midst of of a battle, and they're wondering if if this Jesus thing is. Is really is really what they were led to believe it was. They're questioning. You read the book. They're questioning. They wonder. The whole book is about Jesus and how awesome he is. And trying to convince these people that they can't give up on Jesus just because life is hard. And then actually, in Jesus is the only place you will find any peace and victory and forgiveness of your sins and hope for the future. How am I doing so far? <laughs> okay, so, so I, I mean, I gotta ask. I, I don't know how much longer I have with uh, some of the young people here, right? So I gotta ask if you're gonna give Jesus a chance to do something, you know, or are you gonna do it yourself? Do you think Jesus can 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 uh, lead you to the right spouse? Or are you going to trust your own judgment on it? Well, you know, the Scriptures say that Jesus knows the heart of every person. Jesus knows the heart of every single person perfectly, in and out. And so God knows exactly who is right for you. It's, it's not something that God is worried about or afraid that He can't find somebody. You know, you're afraid that you're not going to find anybody. You know, so you get desperate. You start looking on dating sites. Don't do it. 
Don't do it. They're not there. You know, I one of my best friends met his wife on a dating site, and they were just happily married with two kids. It can happen. Man, I've heard too many stories. You've got to be careful. There are some snakes out there. What is that? Catfishing? Okay. I'm speaking to the young ladies who are sitting right in front of me right now and single and want to find somebody. There's a lot of ugly catfish out there with a bunch of whiskers. All right? You know, and they and they, they just pull some photo off of uh, some picture off the internet of Fabio and put it on there as a profile, you know. And then you meet up with them, you know. And they're like, "Hey, darling, how you doing?" <laughs> you know, are you paying for the meal? Cause I ain't got no money. <laughs> they're gonna cut my they're gonna cut my water, so I had to pay that. Can you get the meal? Y'all gotta stay away from that. Okay. Why? Well, because you know, if you if you if you go looking for for a person to marry when your when your emotions and your mind is not in in a good place, then you're going to marry the wrong person. So you got to do a self inventory. Are you in any condition to be looking for somebody right now? I know you're lonely. You just want to go on a date and spend some time with people. But you know what? Just get in a friend group, you know, or something. I, I don't know, but you got to be careful. You got to guard your heart. You got to watch out because, uh, you know, you you end up uh, you could end up really uh, doing more damage, and then you delay then you delay the whole process another two to three years because you got to get over somebody just, you know, taking advantage of you. Don't do that to yourself. So you got to be careful. Okay, back uh, back to the Bible study here. Now, the the people there that are reading this letter, they they are questioning if they should go back to Judaism. Oh man, do we go back to the old way of life after Jesus? That I mean, that's a temptation, and so and that that's what this is all about here. Really, is is the the text is saying. Uh, you know, the Judaism was a precursor to Jesus. It points to Jesus, and so if you go back to Judaism, you're then uh, in practicing Judaism. Then uh, there was nothing there that was eternally lasting anyway, and and that's the same case for all of us. You know, who want to go back to the old way of life, and 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 so those of you who have been a Christian, you know, if you spend twenty, thirty years away from Jesus. And then you're only with Jesus for a few years. You know you got to give a little more time because you you came in with a lot of uh, a lot of hangups. You came in you came into Jesus with a lot of hangups, and so you got to give a little more time. And you can't you can't go running uh, before you give a chance for Jesus to take hold of you. And so so it's saying here that that we should fear, and that's interesting because you know the. Uh, in First John, John says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. And so John says we shouldn't have fear, but then Hebrews says that we should have fear. Well, obviously, he's talking about two different types of fear, so don't let that bother you. There is a fear that comes into the heart of the believer that realizes that without Jesus, it's hopeless. That you could do all the self-help 
you want in life. You could do all the thinking. You could do all of the counseling. You could take all kinds of medication. Uh, you know, you can... Uh, but without Jesus, I mean, you can't... There's a fear. There's a healthy fear that comes into your heart that says, well, God, I guess I've guess I got to give you a chance. And so it's by faith only, though. And it's by faith. And that, so that, that comes right in the next verse. That when the word is preached, it says there, for unto us the gospel is preached. Okay? Just as the word came through Moses to the Israelites, but they didn't believe it, okay, when they saw how big and tall the Midianites were and all the ites, they didn't believe it. So, so the truth that went, that was spoken to them was not mixed with faith in their hearts. Because it was not mixed with faith, then God said, well, you can't enter my rest. And so the same principle in the Old Testament is true today. We can only come into the rest of God through faith in Jesus Christ. By no other way. Okay? Now, those of you that don't want to recognize Jesus as the Son of God will try to find some other way to justify your approach to God. Okay. Now I'm really irritating some people. I hope you don't turn me off yet. Let me say it again. Those of you that kind of don't like some of the things that the Bible says, well, you'll justify your approach to God and try to sort of circumvent the person of Jesus. Say, well, I don't really, I think Jesus is good, but you know, what about this, this, and this? This is also good, and so let's just put the two together, and I'll, I'll pick what I like out of Jesus, but, you know, I think that we should do this too. And, and then you try to force that upon your congregation. And so what you're doing is, is you're raising up your own ideas above the knowledge of God. You're raising up your own ideas above the knowledge of God and attempting to approach God with your own thoughts, with your own ways, and it's not faith. And it's saying right here that for we which believe do enter. In other words, you have to have faith. And there's no other way. Now this is a this is a biblical principle that's found everywhere in the Bible. Okay, let's read a couple verses here. Supporting verses, if you will. For instance, in John 1.17, that's not the one I wanted, John 6.29, okay? John 6.29, Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in Him whom He sent. In other words, it all starts with faith. Uh, now, we read the book of James, and we understand that works has to follow. But it begins with faith. It says right there in verse 3, For we which have believed do enter. And the rest that we enter is, is not a superficial rest, of, like an earthly kind of temporary rest. It's talking about, as we said there, this, this prophetic utterance from David in Psalm 95 that today, today, if you hear His voice, don't harden your hearts. In other words, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to believe in Jesus. Today is the day that you come unto Him and say, I've got to have faith, God. I can't just, 
I can't just be a, a mediocre Christian who only believes when it's easy. I've got to make a decision that I'm going to stand my ground. And we are, we are being challenged these days to decide what we believe. In other words, you can't just be a Christian who goes to church and is saved by association anymore. Because the church is being infiltrated by tares. Right? You have wheat and you have tares. And many people are really surprised by the tares because they didn't see them. Okay? They didn't see them growing up. They didn't really understand that they were there. And maybe they didn't quite think about the parable or just didn't think that the parable of the wheat and the tares was uh, sort of going to be manifested so, uh, so evidently in their lifetime. But in the church today, not just the Methodist church, uh, I mean, we have a good friend of ours who's talking about in, in their church was a, a non-denominational church with a little bit of a, uh, with a little bit of a, you know, Baptist in them. They, they have a situation where the church is being divided between those who believe in the healing power of the Holy Spirit and those that don't. And the church is having to decide Really, what's their identity? Who are they going to be as a church? And, and they're struggling with that right now. So it's not just big denominations. It's not just the Methodist church. Now, in the Methodist church, we have this homosexual issue, right? <clears throat> and there's a lot of other denominations that are going through that right now. Uh, and it's the question of, what do we really believe? Do we believe that the Scriptures are true? Do we believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Do we believe that He is a historical person who died on the cross and was physically resurrected from the dead and ascended into heaven? There's people in church that don't believe that. They don't. There's not faith in the essential truths of the gospel, and and that's what that's what the people are struggling with in this book. They're saying you can't. You can't back down. You can't back down from, from who you are. Jesus died on the cross from your sins. In fact, Jesus is greater than angels. Jesus is greater than Moses. Jesus is a greater high priest than Aaron. I mean, the whole book is, uh, as uh, our, our uh, uh, dear friend Dr. Gene Thomas said, the whole book just elevates Jesus. You know, it's just a, a big Thanksgiving turkey that elevates Jesus. That's our... That's our analogy for the book of Hebrews, right? The Thanksgiving turkey idea. Well, this is not uncommon in the New Testament. You find this in other places. For instance, Paul had to deal with this. With a, now, this is a Jewish con- congregation. Paul had to deal, it with, deal with it in uh, Gentile congregations as well. So the book of Galatians, for instance, uh, he writes to them and he says, O foolish Galatians, this is in Galatians chapter 3, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the, or by the hearing of faith? So there, there's that same theme that <clears throat> there's always somebody that's going to come around 
and try to get you to question your faith in Jesus and tell you that you're a fool for believing in Jesus. And Paul says you're a fool if you don't. Paul says, actually, Galatians, if you decide that Jesus is not crucified, that Jesus is not the Son of God, then you're a fool because He is the perfect revelation of God to each one of us. Are you so foolish? That's verse 3 of Galatians 3. Having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? It's the same thing. That's why we say we're, we really believe it. If Paul didn't write Hebrews, he definitely was behind a lot of the theology and the arguments. It's because there is a, a lot of the same sort of concepts that are, are, are found in Paul's letters. And so then Paul appeals to the Old Testament, just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. Therefore know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand saying, In you all the nations shall be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. So the whole thing goes down to faith in Jesus. And, and those who believe in Jesus are, are the true sons and daughters of Abraham, are the true descendants uh, because you're sons and daughters of righteousness, because righteousness comes by faith. It doesn't come by works of the law. And so... These Jewish Christians are being tempted to go back to Jewish practices. Uh, in other words, they want to feel better about themselves and, and, and make other people you know, think, think that they're okay. In other words, uh, it's called Judaizers. That's the word. People who would come along behind Paul and some of the other apostles and try to convince people that, no, 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 yeah, okay, Jesus might be okay, but you, you, you still need to do this and this and this and this and this or, or, or you can't go to heaven. You're not going to be saved. God's not happy with you. And so there's a temptation to, to uh, succumb to that and do what they say so that, so that they'll say that you're okay. And then you've got to decide, am I a pleaser of man or not? Where do I stand? Am I, am I willing to sacrifice a relationship to stand up for Jesus? That's a hard question for some people. Am I willing to, to make my family upset with me to stand up for Jesus? We have somebody in our ministry, a young lady, who's, uh, whose family didn't like her being a missionary. Struggled with it. Wanted her to get a real job. How many times do we hear that with, with people who come to be interns or come on staff? The family just, you know, when are you going to get a, when are you gonna go get a real job? Oh, man. If this isn't a real job, I don't know what it is. Oh, my goodness. To, to be at the altar of rekindle the flame and pray for somebody and see God hit that person. And, and you know, I probably, I probably would have sinned 20 times that day before I prayed for that person. It's got nothing to do with me. I'm standing up there, a, a sinner thinking about what I'm going to eat for dinner, and I'm, and I'm praying for that person. 
and uh, and God just hits them, and they they hit the floor, or they start crying and weeping, and God convicts and begins to heal, and and you want to tell me there's no value in that? Man, check your head. Okay, let's move on. I got stuck on that. There remains therefore a rest to the people of God, for he who has entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works. Okay, so we saw that repeated in the Galatians passage from Paul. That, uh, that you can't enter into this rest, as Jesus says in uh, Matthew 11, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You can't enter into it uh, with human effort. You just can't. It's only by faith, faith in the Son of God, that we can enter into this rest, this peace, this this connection with God. You know, that makes me think of Romans 5. Man, that's one of our favorite verses in this ministry. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you have peace with God? Are you, have you entered into the rest of God? Or are you questioning if Jesus is really one who can bring you into that peace, into that rest? I want to challenge you this morning to, to do a self-inventory of your faith life. Are you trying to layer on top of faith in Jesus some other things? You're going to be frustrated. I, I tell you right now, you will be frustrated because it won't work. There is nothing, there's no idea that you can come up with that can bring you to a place of peace with God to a place of peace within yourself, to a place of peace with others. When you come to Jesus and say, God, maybe in this world I, I can do a few things, or, you know, maybe I can figure out how to have a good job or be really smart or get a good degree or whatever it is, but when it comes to you, Jesus, when it comes to God, there's nothing I can do that can force my way into a place of peace with God. You got to do it. You got to do it, God. You got to minister to me that that what Jesus did on the cross really did take care of my sins, really did offer me healing and wholeness. And when you say that prayer and say, God, I just surrender all my ideas. I can't bring anything to the table. Then God starts to move. God begins to heal your heart. You start to go to church. You start reading your Bible. And you start humbly asking God to show Himself to you. Oh man, you start to find that peace with God. It's a wonderful place to be. I want to thank you for being with me this morning. I hope you were encouraged. I hope you were lifted up. I hope you were challenged as well. I hope you were challenged. But I also hope you were encouraged. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow morning. Senhor, eu vejo o mundo triste Atribulado pela ação de Satanás
clavando no escuro, correndo e olhando para trás. 